good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. Welcome to Dischem Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. Thank you for joining us. Sorry a bit late, having a bit of technical difficulties. But thank you for joining us nevertheless. I hope everyone is safe and well. Knowing your COVID status doesn't need to be costly or take forever. At Dischem Pharmacies, you can reduce the cost and anxiety of waiting for results of the rapid COVID tests. Book an antigen test, which can determine if a specific virus is present currently, or an antibody test, which in most cases can determine whether you've had the virus or not in a recent past. Book an appointment at Dischem store near you on 0861-117-427. Dischem, a winning mind and a healthy body. Welcome back, Dischem Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we are going to be talking biokinetics today, and we are speaking to Kayla and Shanaz, who are biokineticists at the Center of Advanced Medicine in Waverley in Johannesburg. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, and good morning to all your listeners. Great. So I think a lot, I don't know why, maybe it's, uh, you can clear it up, it's only for me. Is biokinetics something new? I don't remember. Uh, I mean, I'm not that old, but I, I, well, at least I don't think I am. As a child, remember, like, ever hearing about a biokineticist or someone going to a biokineticist. But over the most recent years, like, you always hear about people going to their bio. They go for bio and people studying biokinetics. Maybe you can tell us a bit more what the scope is, what do you do, and, um, yeah, go for it. Okay, so bio, definitely out of the allied professions, we definitely have been the newest edition. We have been around for a long time. I just think in the last few years, um, people have obviously become more aware of us. Um, So basically, our whole profession revolves around exercise. So exercise therapy, and essentially we are exercise specialists. Our scope of practice is also quite large, Um, so Kayla can explain more about the scope of our practice. So through biokinetics, we do a lot of health promotion and maintenance of physical activities. We do final phase rehab, and everything we do is um, scientifically Based, we do an assessment of each of our patients, and we come up with a program that suits um, their specific needs. So everything is calculated on why we do it, when we do it, what phase of rehab we do it in. Also, like so, you, so, you, so you're teaching people how to exercise uh, safely within uh, certain uh, parameters. Yeah, and improve their um, activities of daily living. So for our elderly patients, it might be more just maintaining them, getting them strong enough just to stand up, sit down, get in bed, out of bed, things like that. Also, in terms of sport, so we do also um, see patients who want to improve their sports performance. Maybe you've, you're a runner and you've gotten hurt, so we have a look at your injuries by you know, running, cycling, all sorts of sports. So we look at, obviously, rehabilitation for sports injuries as well. Okay, so you you mentioned though during uh, you in the final part of rehab, when we just explain that uh, a bit more. 
Okay, so I think a lot of the time people ask us, what is the difference between yourself and a physiotherapist? So um, physiotherapists deal with more primary uh, phase rehabilitation, so dealing with pain, swelling, limited range of movement, etc. Final phase is more working on your conditioning, strengthening, that kind of thing. So once your range of motion has improved, then you would then come to a bio and you would then work on your strengthening, your mobility, your flexibility, um, and that is more final phase. So even in terms of a sports person, uh, maybe they've um, hurt their knee, they would go to a physio first, and then thereafter we would actually then work on the final phase. So strengthening up the knee and then obviously doing exercises to get them back to their sport. So that's, that's what final phase refers to. Okay, and is this something that you would be doing uh, with them or, or um, initially they can need to come to you every time to have a bio session with you or you give them stuff to do at home? So we, um, we would do both. So initially we like to see our patients um, a few times just to get them, build up their strength, get them to where they need to be. In that time we also give them um, a basic home program, which they can do on days that they don't see us. And then from there, we start cutting down on the bio and they start increasing um, the training on their own. Okay, uh, awesome. All right, so tell us, do you want to maybe tell us about the initial assessment there to, when, you see a, when you see a patient, what you do on so, the initial assessment? So in the initial assessment, it starts off, we'll take um, quite a detailed history of um, any medical conditions, previous injuries, anything that um, we need to know. Uh, then we do uh, manual ma- manual muscle testing to test their strength. We have a, we do a full postural assessment. We um, palpate. We see where where's more um, sore, what region. In the case that they haven't been diagnosed by um, a specialist and they come here, then we will do special testing to see what um, we can pick up. Okay, awesome. Uh, we are going to take a short ad break and we'll be back right after this. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we are talking to Kayla and Shanaz kineticist at the Center of Advanced Medicine in Waverley, and we've just been talking about um, the scope of their practice and um, a bit about rehab. Uh, tell us, why is it important to be active? Why is exercise and being active so imp- such an important part of our lives, and um, especially um, now during the pandemic? Well, I think now with COVID, people have obviously become more aware of the health, and our whole belief or our whole scope moves around, uh, is centered around movement as medicine. So I think if you look at why exercise is important, it has many, many benefits. So currently, I think we've got a lot of people working from home who are maybe sitting at their desks for long periods of time, maybe not moving a lot. So I think a lot of people right now are struggling with like um, aches, pains, neck pain, back pain, whatever it is from working at sitting at their desk. So from that point, I think it's very, from that perspective, it's very important to break up your day and include some movement in your day. Um, I think also exercise, if you look at your comorbidities associated with COVID, 
exercise plays a very important role in managing those conditions. So, for example, for a diabetic, um, exercise is really, really very important uh, for insulin, in managing your insulin levels. Obviously, um, hypertension as well. Exercise plays a very important role in reducing hypertension, high cholesterol, um, and obviously obesity. So in terms of the COVID comorbidities, exercise is vital in, in managing those. And I think now more than ever, uh, we are seeing people who are actually using exercise as a coping mechanism to, uh, to with stress. So I think exercise is really important in improving your mental health. So it releases serotonin, and serotonin is your feel-good hormone, so exercise does actually make improve your mood and make you feel better. Um, and also, yeah. Okay, sorry, are you done? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, it does. I mean, I imagine uh, um, people are working from home, not getting out much, maybe scared to go to the gym or, or um, scared to go... Uh, exercise in, in public places. So what would you advise for, for the average person who's um, at home? What kind of exercise can they do? I think a good place to start would be if you have a swimming pool, get in the pool and do some laps, put on a pair of tackies, go for a walk, anything that just gets your body moving. You don't have to follow a strict um, like exercise regime to start with, but just keep your body moving, get your clear your mind, um, I think that that would be my advice to um, people. Okay. Um, you do, do you do any exercise? You, you mentioned swimming. Do you recommend anyone does the, do, or do you guys prescribe an, uh, any hydrotherapy or um, do any exercises in the water? I know it's good for certain injuries because of the resistance and also it's quite protective. So that's been our, our new project of 2021 is we have just um, started hydrotherapy. So we've got a pool, it's in Gallo Manor. It's, the water, it's warm water, so the water's between 32 and 34 degrees, which is optimal for hydrotherapy. And we put patients, we have um, two classes there, and we put um, private patients in the pool. Um, because the water's so warm, it's good for the joints, for relaxation, for anxiety. And then being just in the water, there's very little impact on the joints. It increases your balance, your strength, aerobic fitness, um, flexibility, mobility, and range of motion. And there's a lot of, often with patients that are in the water, there's a lot more that they can do in the water because of the water holding them up than what they can actually get done on land. It's also good, especially for post-COVID now, um, because you can do a lot of um, lung work in the water because of the um, the resistance. So when you're exercising, when you go for a swim, your lungs are getting a bit more work against that um, against the water than just going for a walk. Okay, that uh, sounds uh, interesting. Okay, and um, obviously you're there to direct and uh, guide people with regards uh, to their training. I imagine there must be a lot of stuff on on the internet people or just around that they heard doesn't um it's not applicable for everyone people trying different exercise programs and why is it important for someone to have a proper exercise or or training program so i think um it's very easy to google 
uh, exercise program or to follow an influencer, not knowing what the qualifications are. And I think also it's very easy to get hurt, especially if you're training at home and if you've got no one watching you. So um, we always believe that tailor your exercise programs around your specific needs and conditions. So it's never a one-size-fits-all. Someone with one uh, shoulder injury will never present the same way as, a, as another person with a shoulder injury, for example. So you have to be specific and train according to your needs and your goals and also your um, specific concerns that you may have. Okay. And uh, how do people go about uh, getting this program? And maybe you can tell us some of the stuff you take into account when you prescribe um an exercise program for someone. So if someone wants to come see us, we can do a full evaluation and then we can go through, give them a program and send them on their way. And then in that thing, as I said, in the evaluation, we'll take into account any past injuries. So if they've had a shoulder injury, then we can give them some rehab exercises um, for their shoulder until they've reached their full strength back. And then we can get them into a proper shoulder or upper body training program. We also Are there any at, yes, sorry, Karen. So when assessing your posture, for example, we can we can see we can also um, identify where all your muscle imbalances are. So maybe you, you don't have a sore back yet, but your posture will tell us that you might be susceptible to getting one. So it's all about prevention of injury as well as um, rehabbing of one. So it's more about looking at you holistically and then providing you a program that will allow you to function at your optimum. Okay, and uh, are these programs usually involve uh, special machinery that someone would have to work out at the gym? Are they uh, stretching? Is it suitable for home? Would someone have to go um, into a special place to do these exercises to be able to follow one of your programs? So most of our programs are actually done um, just with simple equipment, such as a TheraBand. Even at the practice here, we don't really use uh, much machine. We prefer body weight and just resistance bands. And then it also makes it very accessible for people to do at home. Okay, that's cool, because I imagine that's probably a big limiting factor, especially now. A lot of people uh, don't want to go out, and they say, oh, well, what am I going to do without having any of the uh, the proper equipment uh, to work with? Okay, so, so now... So with that now, which a year ago was completely foreign to us, with the whole COVID crisis, we've actually allowed to do um, telehealth. And we've been training a lot of our patients that are scared to leave their houses or come into the practice um, via Skype. Okay. And you can watch them and instruct and advise over... Yes. Over video. Okay. So what have you been seeing uh, changes in... in patient behavior, injuries, post-COVID, and what have you guys been seeing in your practice? So we've definitely noticed an increase in kids. Um, a lot of, because of them spending most of their time last year on Zoom or on devices and not getting out much, a lot of low muscle tone, a lot of postural issues. Um, we've, I've, I don't know why we see quite a lot of scoliosis in the practice at, at the moment. Um, so things like that. Also, after the initial lockdown, there were a lot of injuries from people running around their gardens, doing circles and circles and circles, um, and favoring one side over the other. So that was like after the initial lockdown. 
Okay, and now tell us about patients who actually were COVID positive. Um, have you dealt with any rehab of uh, people who were um, COVID positive and how's uh, the recovery been for them? Yes, we've had a few patients at the practice who um, were COVID positive. So I think it's very important for people to realize that this is obviously just not your normal flu that you're just going to get better from um, without any sort of intervention or clearance from your doctor. So we would always advise that before people return to exercise, they get full clearance from their doctors. Um, your return to exercise post-COVID is also dependent on how severely you got COVID. So um, even if you were asymptomatic, you were COVID positive but asymptomatic, it's always recommended to rest for a full two weeks before returning to your exercise program. Um, and then obviously also a gradual in, in, um, gradual return back to activity. So you can't just go back into exercising with the same intensity that you were before you got COVID. Um, and this is purely because we've realized now that in the last year that COVID has a lot of, um, so basically post-COVID can affect the heart. So Myocarditis is a common post-COVID uh, occurrence now with that inflammation of the, the heart. And then also people who have had COVID are prone to clotting. So after COVID, these are just things that we've got to be aware of. Also, people who, who were, um, had more severe symptoms would have noticed that a drop in their oxygen levels just from basic um, basic activities. So that's obviously something that you've got to watch when you return uh, back to, to exercise. Okay, so um, so it's important that just before they go back to exercise that they would need to uh, see someone before they just go, I guess your body's not the same again and it would form part of your rehab. I guess some people think of rehab only as being as if you injure a specific uh, joint or part of your body. But if you're recovering from an illness or you have a, a chronic illness, then rehab can be um, considered for that as well. Yes, I think in the next few months, we'll probably see post-COVID rehabilitation being um, additional scope in uh, physio practices, bio practices, um, because there's a lot more data coming out now on how patients can recover from these long COVID symptoms. If you were symptomatic, though, it is recommended that you do no, uh, no um, intense activity 10 or more days from symptom onset, and then you rest a further seven days before you can actually resume uh, physical activity again. What are, you worried, what are you worried about if they resume too early? So I think the people have gotten through COVID, but they still have symptoms such as shortness of breath, a cough, extreme fatigue. So you want to wait for those... Uh, symptoms to calm down or to to have full resolution in those symptoms before you start exercising. Purely because exercise also places a level of stress on the body. So if someone's experiencing shortness of breath, they're going to find it very difficult to exercise. Okay, what you can you do for that? Yeah, carry on. So you could start, you could start with something low intensity, so, so mobility work, maybe some yoga, some walking. And then obviously it's all to your tolerance. So if you can only walk 10 minutes, that's your starting point. You would start then by taking a 10 minute walk and then gradually over a two week period, take that up to maybe 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Okay. And how, and what do you do for rehab of the lungs? A lot of people have uh, shortness of breath and uh, as you said, a chronic uh, cough 
and they just feel tired, what do you do for rehab for the lungs? So post, so physios would mostly, well, while the patients are symptomatic and undergoing COVID, physios would, would probably prescribe a lot of the pulmonary exercises. But we would obviously do things such as breathing exercises, um, lots of stretching into the upper body to keep the rib cage nice and open. And then obviously your cardiovascular type exercises. So just by walking, you would then also um, improve your cardiovascular um, your cardiovascular response. So walking would be very, very important, which anybody can do outside on, on their treadmill. Um, if you've been severely ill, though, I would suggest that you walk with your oximeter on still just to monitor your ex- oxygen levels while walking. Okay. Uh, COVID aside, now that you've mentioned just cardio versus uh, strength, how should a person divide their um, exercise routine um, cardio versus uh, strength and weight versus uh, stretching and mobility? So that also depends on the, the goal of the, of the patient. If their goal is comrades, then they'll need to obviously do a little bit more um, cardio in that and do the strength. If someone's goal is weightlifting, then they'll have to do more strength than cardio. So that's very um, goal specific. Okay, and uh, for the average person who just wants to get fit and healthy? I would suggest strength training about twice a week, just because that's really good for bones, muscles, um, bone density, um, etc. And then cardio training, um, probably also another two to three times per week. Okay, and what's the easiest cardio training for, for people to do at home? Or so the easiest... To- the easiest to do at home would probably be walking or running. However, running isn't as simple as it seems because a lot of people um, through this time that have just put on a pair of tackies and go for a run, it's actually led to injuries because you actually have to learn how to run. As stupid as that sounds, a lot of people's gait is wrong, their ankle stability isn't there, their glutes um, strength isn't there, and it actually does lead to injuries. So, They've got to be very careful with with that, but that would be the easiest place to start. Okay, so walking, I guess, is much uh, more gentle. Yeah. Okay, and uh, how long and how often? So at least 30, 30 minutes of cardio. It also depends what intensity you're doing it. If you're doing walking one kilometer in 30 minutes, it's not really being so effective. So you'll need to get, get your, your need to be able to get your heart rate up, feel like you've actually um, you've actually worked. Fine. Okay. So walking is probably the safest, but I guess you are walking uh, slowly and not long enough isn't really going to do you much. Um, uh, and much if you did want exercises that are less impact than um, than walking, then there is cycling, there's swimming, but then again you'll need access to either a bike or a pool. Fine. Okay. And uh, when you tell people to start swimming in the pool, doesn't matter which uh, strokes they're using for general exercise. So if if, if there's an injury, we might tell them to steer away from a certain stroke. But if you just if you don't have any injuries, then any stroke is good. 
fine. And I mean, I know you said you use swimming for or hydrotherapy for um, for rehab. Yeah. Um, so I guess you would uh, just tailor um, tailor that. Now, maybe let's take a short ad break and we come back. Maybe we can talk about some pain and uh, specific injuries. We'll be back right after this. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we are speaking to Taylor and Shinaz, who are biogeneticists at the Center for Advanced Medicine in Waverley. And we've been talking about exercise and movement and, and rehab. Um, let's move on to specific injuries and a lot of pain. We know that uh, pain is something that everybody experiences, but chronic pain can be uh, really debilitating. And from uh, chronic injuries, we can get chronic pain. So do you see a lot of this in your practice? And how do you approach it? Yes, we do. So we, we do have, we do see patients with chronic pain. Um, we do have patients also with autoimmune conditions. So rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, those sort of conditions do present with chronic pain. Um, and chronic pain is very, um, a chronic pain is debilitating because it doesn't just affect you on a physical level. So it does affect you mentally because living with chronic pain, um, obviously can lead to you feeling quite depressed. So it does affect you mentally, it does affect you physically, and overall it can really affect your quality of life. Okay, so how do you, how do you treat these chronic pain patients? So we've just, um, we've just sort of started a holistic, multidisciplinary approach pain clinic at the Center of Advanced Medicine. So we've teamed up with a neurosurgeon, the radiologist, chiropractor, psychologist, psychiatrist, and we are the biokinetics team. So we are hoping to be one of the first centers to offer a holistic, more integrated approach to, to managing pain. Because we know that a lot of people have pain and maybe they are just prescribed painkillers, but the, the root cause of the pain has not been addressed and also the psychological impact of living with the pain has not been um, even considered. So we've just started a pain clinic whereby the patient can book. Um, depending on the level of pain, we would then decide who sees the patient. And everything is done uh, at a, on a one-on-one -on -one consult, medical aid rates. And basically, the patient can go see a psychologist to help deal with um, you know, any mental distress or depression associated with living with chronic pain, they would come to us for the exercises to, to strengthen up whether, let's say, it's a chronic back injury or they've got lupus and they have pain everywhere, then we would obviously give the correct sort of exercise. Chiropractor to deal with any manipulations or um, that they might need. And then obviously the radiologist is on standby for MRIs, etc., and the neurosurgeon as well for, if they need somebody to make a diagnosis or to prescribe medication, etc. Okay, so um, maybe we can go through uh, back pain. What sort of, I mean, I guess there's upper, middle, and, and, and lower back pain. What's the most common back pain uh, that you, you've seen? Which part of the back and what's usually the cause of it? 
definitely lower back pain. So, and then the causes of that would most likely be a weak core. And then, and then it's your, your daily factors that would come in. So, um, what job you're doing, if you're standing most of the time, if you're sitting most of the time, how you're moving, how active you are, all those would, um, factor into what the cause of the lower back pain would be. Also other conditions, like maybe the patient's got a slip disc, maybe they've got, they're experiencing some sciatica. Those are mostly the common things that we see with lower back pain. So how do you treat from a biokinetics point of view and exercises? What do you do for lower back pain? So we would start a lot of the time, because with, with lower back pain, a lot of the muscles tend to spasm up to protect the spine, to protect um, and the organs. So what we do is a lot of time we'll just start with flexibility, mobility, and um, core strengthening to help protect the back. And then we'll go on to treating it um, when the patient does, isn't in so much pain, then we can go into more advanced exercises. And what, kind, what would those exercises be? So if a patient is presenting with sciatica or, or neural pain, for example, we would also include some neural stretches into the regimen just to help the nerve recover. And then, obviously, well, we would then look at the patient's specific posture. Um, so a lot of the time with back pain as well, you're looking at um, the core, the glutes. Um, so we would do lots of glute strengthening, lots of um, back exercises. So starting with upper back, going down, so we treat the whole back of the body, posterior chain, and we'd also look at balance and proprioception work as well. And is it a mixture of, of um, strength and stretching as well as, well as cardio? Is, um, is running good for back pain, cycling? Do you advise any of this? So in our sessions, we would usually do the stretching and strengthening, and then the cardio would be um, up to the patient. And most of the time, we would um, recommend either cycling or swimming until the pain's gone. And then if they want to run, not everyone, that's not everyone's goal. But if they do want to run, we can give them the tools that when they do start running, it's, um, there's injury prevention and they, all, the, all, the, all the muscles are moving as they should. Okay, perfect. What's, uh, besides back pain, which is very common, what's your next most common injury or, or chronic pain that you see? Neck pain, definitely lately, I think, because lots of people are sitting in front of their computers. So uh, we've definitely had a lot of neck pain in the last last few months as well. That's also been quite common. Okay. Uh, um, just from uh, mainly from posture and looking down? Yes, so mainly from posture. Yeah, mostly from posture. Everybody's sitting in front of their computers, jutting their heads forward. I don't think um, people are aware of how important their desk setup is. So maybe at home their, their desk setup hasn't been ideal. So the ergonomics have been off. And so uh, the neck, the shoulders, upper back, everything's been compensating. And then that's why they, um, people are experiencing neck pain, headaches, um, and also shoulder and shoulder aches. And another common one we see is knee pain. Okay. And uh, what's your, is that usually from... Um, incorrect, incorrect um, running or incorrect exercising. So, so there's two types of of knee pain. There's the um, traumatic, so that would be the 
ACL tears and things like that that have been surgically repaired and then they need um, rehab afterwards to get the strength right. Um, or there's one, like one of the main stabilizers of your knee, which no one really knows, is your glute need. So if your glutes aren't functioning correctly and you're running and you're doing things that your glutes aren't um, working as they should, then it'll manifest in knee pain. Okay, and what do you do for um, knee pain? How to get people right? So then we'll start working on the stabilizers of the knee, which is most important because if the stabilizers aren't working as they should, nothing else is going to work or they are going to overwork and that's going to cause a muscle imbalance. So then we'll start with um, just working on those stabilizers and then as the patient gets stronger, we um, get more complex um, exercises. I know it might be controversial, but is running good for the knees? Yes. <laughs> okay, it is good for the knees, but I guess within a, a certain but within, Yes, if you're, running, if you're running a marathon every weekend, you'll probably land up with knee pains later in life. If you're running consistently shorter distances um, and at a good pace, then and all your biomechanics and your gait are all right, you're wearing the proper shoes, you're changing your shoes um, regularly, then it's fine for the knees. Okay, fine. Um, all right. And uh, tell me about shoulder injuries because often we hear people with shoulder injuries, do they always end up with uh, surgery? Can we avoid Can we avoid surgery? What are the most common causes of um, shoulder injuries? I know mine was uh, posture and the way that I operate. I think, yes, you can definitely avoid surgery if you know how to strengthen up the shoulders. So the shoulder can be a little bit of a finicky joint, but if, and I think most people we see uh, tend to have issues with their rotator cuff. Um, do you want to explain, sorry, do you want to explain just to our listeners, I think people hear a lot about rotator cuff, what exactly is the rotator cuff? So your rotator cuff muscles are four muscles and they play a really important role in rotation of your shoulder. And they are also most commonly injured, so with movement, with sport. Um, so the, but there also are plenty of exercises that we can do for the rotator cuff to improve the shoulder stability and mobility, and just to improve overall um, strength of the shoulder. Okay. All right. So what usually causes the injury with them? So shoulder injuries, as I said, with the knee, there's the traumatic and the and the non-traumatic. The traumatic ones will be, we see quite often cyclists have come off their bike, they've broken their collarbone, things like that. That's the traumatic. The non-traumatic would be um, a lot of overhead movements. So maybe swimming, um, any exercise above your, like lifting your arm up above your head. That could cause, that repetitive motion can cause um, injury. So just like you said, was the way you operate, that repetitive motion injuries. Okay, perfect. We're going to take another short ad break. We'll be back after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Dischem, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Dischem Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. 
And we are, have been speaking for the past hour to Kayla and Shanaz, who are both biokineticists at the Center of Advanced Medicine in Waverley. And we've spoken about their scope of practice. We've spoken about COVID. We've spoken about rehab. We've spoken about chronic pain. We've spoken about injuries. Um, and lastly, how do people get hold of you if they want to book a, a session with you, if they want to come for an assessment? Okay, so we do have a website uh, if you want more information about the practice. It's www.sbbio.co.za. Um, you are welcome to pop an email to sb.bio at mweb.co.za or call us on 71 8726418 and um, um, and you mentioned earlier that your assessments are um, aligned with medical aid because I think a lot of what a lot of people don't know is that bio um, you know is a medical discipline and that uh, people as part of their rehab or training and that can claim back from medical aid is that correct? So we are on the Health Professions Council board along with physiotherapy and podiatry. So we are registered health, uh, medical professionals. So we do, ch so our sessions, our assessments and our sessions are all covered in full by uh, medical aid. We do charge discovery rates and we are contracted in to them as well. So patients, um, all sessions are covered by medical aid. All right, awesome. That's good to know. Um, Shnaz and Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on Diskin Medical Monday, 101.9 High FM. Thank you to all our listeners who've, joining, uh, who've joined us. I hope that was informative. I've certainly uh, learned a lot. And uh, I think I'm going to be phoning you after this uh, to set up a session. And hope everyone uh, stays well and stays safe. Please join us next week again. Same time, 10 a.m. This game, Medical Monday, 101.9 High FM. Have a good week. High FM, your station of choice since 2008.